Take your Bibles. Revelation 6. On my right and left are journals and bookmarks. We even have some special notepads for teenagers and preteens. Take some notes. We encourage people to take notes because what you're going to learn today is very important. Anytime you open up God's Word, it's very, very important. It'll change your life. If you haven't gotten into daily reading yet and scripture memorization and meditation, if you, haven't, if you just haven't done that recently, I'll say it that way, get back into it. Here's what's going to happen tomorrow. If you decide tomorrow to read your Bible, maybe you haven't done that in a while, get up and read. Read the first three chapters of Galatians tomorrow, okay? Read the first two chapters of Philippians. Get up and just read tomorrow. Here's what's going to happen. Throughout the day, you'll have it in your mind. You'll be thinking about it. And here's what's going to happen tomorrow. In the afternoon or maybe early morning or late night, you're going to need those verses. Someone's going to need them from you. You're going to have them. It's going to be crazy. You watch. You're going to put it in here, and you're going to need it. You're going to lean on it, and you're going to be amazed at how God puts in you what he, listen, wants to draw out of you. And not just tomorrow, not just here on Sunday, but we are encouraging people to be note takers and Bible students, lovers of the Bible. This is week 20 in our study through the book of Revelation, chapter 6. Chapters 1 through 3, if you remember, I told you guys I was going to buy some iPads for those people who had the most journal notebooks and all that stuff. And I haven't done that yet, but I know who's getting the iPads. In my mind, I'm just trying to figure out how to get those to you guys. And it's hard to find first-generation broken iPads on the internet, too. (laughs) It's hard to find them. I'm just kidding. They're not going to be broken or first-gen. They're going to be good. They're going to be good. But but I just want you guys to take notes. Before this service and before the last service, I was in my office praying, truly praying, on my knees, praying for for me and for you, that this wouldn't just be a Bible study. Good job, Luke. You did a good job. No, that this would be not just, listen, information, you know, in one ear and out the other, but it would be transformation, that it would transform your heart and mind that you would become a different person today, that you would leave here. And if you're a Christian already, you're saved and sanctified, going to heaven, that you would have some of the cobwebs removed and some of the dust knocked off, and you'd get back in the game. So what's going on? If you're not a Christian here, you were tricked. So somebody said, hey, let's go out to coffee. And they got you some free coffee. (laughs) And you're not a Christian yet. I would encourage you to become a Christian Because what we're going to study today is a futuristic prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. It hasn't yet been fulfilled. And John, who wrote this book, was on the island of Patmos. Listen, suffering, looking at the world. Oh, it's getting bad. And asking this question, Lord, how long? How long? John was boiled in oil and yet did not die. John had seen his friend Paul have his head cut off. John had seen Peter crucified upside down alongside with his wife. John had seen Thomas and Philip beaten to death. The apostles crucified to the ground, buried alive, sawn in half the long way. They all died brutal deaths. And John stood there saying, hey, Lord, it's me. What's going on? You ever asked that question before? You ever look around now, your, your pain's different than John's, is it not? Your pain is your pain. There's pain in this room. There was pain at the first service that I'm aware, real pain, tragic pain. Explain this pain. We all have pain. John's pain was his pain. 
and it was next level. Did you know during that day, Caesar Nero would take Christians and he would, alive, dip them in wax and then spear them through the back and put them on poles through his garden and light them on fire like a candle, declaring, look, the light of the world. And he would ride nakedly through his garden on a chariot screaming, I'm the light of the world, while Christians burned. This was happening. And so John Olden John on the island says, Lord, how long? And the Lord gives him the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he shows him to encourage him then, then, and then to give to us and encourage us now, and here's the cool part, to also know that there'll be encouragement in the future when all this stuff goes down. We're looking at the seal judgments today. As Jesus Christ comes into the throne in chapter five, we studied it weeks ago. And in chapter 5, it is asked, who is worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals and read it therein? And nobody is found in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. Worthy, not willing. Who's worthy? Everybody's willing. People are willing to try. I'll, I'll give a whack at it. Who's worthy, though? Who is the one who can actually take the title deed to planet earth and fulfill its requirements? What are the requirements? Perfection submission. No rebellion. My life has been a perfect service to the Father. You know who can only say that? Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I only do what the Father says. It's not my will, but it's his will. Jesus said that, and so when Jesus lived that perfect life, that's amazing, but then he didn't stop there. You know what he did next? He died the sinner's death. He didn't just live perfectly like a lion, strongest, perfect. He lay down like a lamb, sacrificially. Blood poured out. Blood poured out of his head with the thorns pushed upon his skull to cover the sins that you've committed in your mind, the things that you've thought that you shouldn't have thought. Blood poured out of his hands as he was pinned to the cross to cover the things that you handled in your life that you shouldn't have touched, you shouldn't have got involved in. Blood poured out of his back with the flagellum as he was whipped and filleted wide open for every single time you've turned your back on the Lord. Blood poured out of his feet as he was nailed to the cross, covering every sin that you've walked into and those times you've walked away, every, everything. Who is worthy not just to live perfectly but to die sacrificially? And it's Jesus Christ. Did you know all the questions in the entire world, yours and ours collectively, are answered in chapter 5? The title deed, the planet that God made and gave to Adam and Eve has been lost, forfeited, bankrupt. It's gonzo. Satan's now in charge. Who can redeem it? Who can fulfill perfect obedience? Adam couldn't. Eve couldn't. Everyone after couldn't. Except the second Adam, Jesus Christ himself. And he comes, and he dies, and he rises from the dead, and he's with John, John, the revelator. And he says, John, I'll be back later. To quote Terminator, I'll be back. I think Terminator quoted Jesus, actually. And Jesus said to John, I'll be back. And it had been 60 years since John had seen Jesus, and now it's been 2,000 years and when John got the revelation, Jesus said, write it in three ways, John. Start with the foundation. Write the things that you've seen. 
Christ, the risen one. That's the foundation. With the foundation, you can build. Christ, chapter one. And then write the things that are, John, chapters two and three, the church age, the age of grace, the age that we still now live in, the exact same time of church and grace and faith, waiting for the Lord. And then John was instructed, oh yeah, and then write the things that come right after the church age, metatauta, chapters four and five, the rapture of the church, chapters six through 19, the tribulation and judgment upon the earth while the church is tucked away. John is raptured and caught up. Come up here. And in chapter six, time and time again, one of the four living creatures says, John, come over here and see. And he looks over and he sees what goes on on planet Earth. And it's the redemption story. The redemption. And this is so important, Christians, who sit here with me this morning. Who maybe have, anybody have any questions about what's going on in our world? Questions? How about concerns? Anybody got any concerns governmentally or economically or socially, educationally? I got some questions. I got some concerns. Let me ask you a different question. I'm messing with you guys at this point. You know it. But how many of you guys want to know the future? What's the future hold? Like what's tomorrow? What's going to happen after this, this term and in the next election? What's going to happen? And how's it going to go? I'd like to know the future. Ding, 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 ding. Guess what? We know the future. We know it. Have you read the last part of the book? Have you read the end? Okay. We win. It's just like the ducks last night. <laughs> Sorry, Cougar fans. We win. You got to know this as a Christian because right now in your day, you got pain, you got questions, and I'm guaranteeing you're surrounded by people with pain and questions. People right now. Maybe you're that person. You just met, you've been out of shape. Life hasn't gone your way. I, I get it. I get it. I got some texts during the message, first service. People mad at the way their lives have unfolded in brokenness. And as a Christian, it's so imperative that you know what's going on so you know how to order your days, right? But wouldn't it be a tragedy if you were surrounded by people that don't know anything about the Lord and his kingdom and these clash of kings. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if you were surrounded by those people and you didn't know how to help them? If you too were like chicken little with your head cut off? This guy is falling, you know. Wouldn't it be a tragedy? Don't be that person, okay? Let it be known of you that you are the salt and the light of the world. God has us here right now to preserve and to protect. There will be a time where we will be removed. The light and the salt will be taken from planet Earth. Joined to be with the Lord at the revelation of Antichrist. Without salt and without light, things begin to decay rapidly. As a matter of fact, when Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, they would know what that means. Back then, salt was a little different, a little more important than it is in our day. A little more value. They would take meat in those days and coat it with salt. They didn't have refrigerators yet. That wouldn't come around for another 20 or 30 years, I imagine. And they would cover it with salt because the salt would keep the surface bacteria from growing. And if the surface bacteria didn't grow, then the center bacteria couldn't develop either. For many, many weeks, meat would last. The salt, it would preserved. And yet Jesus said, if salt loses its flavor, if it loses its function, it's good for nothing. And you and I, one day, will be taken from planet Earth. The light, the salt, 
and the decay will come. Why is this happening? Why is God doing this? I got some emails last week after preaching that message about God's judgment, and there was some confusion, maybe some questioning, pushback. Hey, why is God, why is God got to be so mean? Why is God a... God got to do that. Why does God have to call that a sin? Why is that a sin? I got in trouble last week from a few people for calling certain things sin. Things that the Bible says are sin. I didn't write the book. I'm just delivering the message. What the Bible says is sin is sin, and you who are honest and humble enough will say, oh yeah, for sure. That and more, and it comes in 31 different flavors. <laughs> I'm not talking Baskin Robbins. Sin. And sin brings death. And so Jesus, in his kindness, did you know that the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance? Romans 2.4, did you know that? The kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. He's so kind. And if you're here with me this morning, it's because you've repented and you have a soft heart, a beat towards the Lord and your brokenness. And how important is it that we know what's going on? In these two bookends, lion and lamb, justice and truth, and love and mercy, okay? They're both in full effect. The fact that we're here today and you can leave after this message and go to the Bayfront, go to Arctic Circle, go to Georgie's, go where you're going, see some people, have lunch and be nice to them and tell them Jesus loves them, shows God's patience and kindness. It's another day, another day of salvation. And yet when we read this futuristic prophecy of things to come, God says, oh, there'll be a time. The trumpet will sound. Come up here. And I'll grab the scroll. Now that my bride is tucked away and the wrath of God can be poured out on a sinful, God-forsaking, rejecting Christ world, I'm going to now take back that which is mine. And I want you who are believers and you who are watching online to settle into this reality. This is God's world, is it not? you're his kids, I'm his kids. Check this out. They're all his kids. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, okay, but against Satan, principalities, the powers of the air. And so when the world around us is being picked on, non-believers and believers alike, okay, God looks at his kids and he loves everybody. Did you know that God loves everybody? I love loving, lovable people. How about you? You know what I'm saying? Do, do you not? I love lovable people, but when they're cantankerous and wacky, like, eh, I'm not sure if I want to love you. And God says, Luke, I love everybody. I love everybody. And the Bible says that God has waited this long in order to save those who are outside the camp. And can you imagine, though, the father's ears, what he hears? I've got three kids. I hear everything. Everything. They don't think I hear everything. I hear everything. It, it actually drives me nuts. I wish I was deaf sometimes. And every once in a while, I have to engage. All right, that's enough. Here I come. Can you imagine if your kids were in the backyard and you heard squealing in a painful way? The bully next door is just beating on your kids. How much time would you give that bully to figure it out? Speed of light. Mama bear. Papa bear. You know what I'm saying? Get off my kid. 
Imagine the patience of God. His world is being pummeled, abused. The difficulties. And God has every right to take it back, to cleanse it. But he's not doing it haphazardly, recklessly. Instead, it's factored, and it's specific, and it's ordered in patience. Today in our text, I'm going to read to you Revelation chapter 6 in just a minute. There'll be some who have been murdered during this time. And they ask the question, how long, O Lord, until you venge our blood? You know what God says to them? A little bit longer. A little bit longer. And I'm like, wait, a little bit longer? You ever gone on that long road trip with your kids? Are we there yet? A little bit longer. A little bit longer. You're in the driveway, haven't even left. <laughs> Not there yet. And God in his absolute control looks at a hurting world, even today. I'm, I'm good. Now would be good. And the Lord says, no, Luke, a little longer. Because you've got a pulse, you've got a purpose, you've got things to do. There are people not yet saved. Things not yet done. God knows, though, that hour. Let's read now chapter 6. Last week we got to right around verse 9. This week we're going to pick up in verse 9, but I want you to see the totality. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see! In other words, don't miss this, John. In other words, this is what's going to happen. Verse 2, and I looked and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. This is the first seal that is broken, releasing the first rider of the apocalypse on the white horse. I believe this is the antichrist, that he is given a crown, he's given a bow, he's given the spirit to conquer and to be conquering. That is when the Antichrist comes, like it says in Daniel chapter 9. He will strike a peace deal, a political deal in the Middle East lasting seven years. And in the first three and a half years, as he's conquering in that way, it will then transition into the last three and a half years. And there'll be a difference of reign of this man. That his crown is a crown that fades. It's not the diadem that Jesus wears, but the Stephanos. That is this crown that athletes and performers wear. I believe it's the Antichrist. The reason I believe it the most is because of who he rolls with. The next guy, verse 3, And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given them a great sword. With this political ruler, Antichrist, which, by the way, won't be his first name. It won't be Mr. Antichrist, okay? <laughs> way more smooth than that. He won't be known as the Antichrist. The church will have been raptured. Antichrist will be revealed as a political genius, a suave guy, a supreme leader, likable, wise, able. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, write it in your notes, says something profound. It actually says that when the Antichrist is revealed, he'll be given special powers to do miracles. And that even those on the earth will believe a great delusion. They'll believe a great lie. Can you imagine the lies he's going to have to say after the church has been raptured? 
the things he's going to have to make up about you and me and the people that are going to be like, sounds good, just follow this guy, don't ask too many questions. And everyone's going to believe it. Here's something more profound. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2.7, that's what I said, that before he is revealed, the constrainer has to be removed. The constrainer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must be taken out of planet Earth in order for this Antichrist to be revealed. And when the Holy Spirit leaves, guess who he takes with him? All of us. For the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And we're raptured. And in our absence and in his presence, light and salt are removed. And now his reign prevails. And what's the first rider we see in his wake? War. Now, war, whether you like it or not, is how countries and leaders fortify themselves. I'm not for war. War is evil. It is hell. But war, politically speaking, is how countries at the top level are fortified and strengthened. Patriotism is united. As governments come together with a common cause, there is a value and a benefit to war, politically speaking, and yet it is full of bloodshed, death, and chaos. And this leader, this Antichrist, will be followed by this red horse, Coming with that, verse 5, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. And so I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on the black horse had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil or the wine, along with bad leadership, Antichrist, along with war and chaos, red horse. There will also be the black horse, which brings famine and the imbalance and chaos where a quart of barley, three quarts of barley, will cost one penny or a day's wage. One quart of wheat will also cost one penny, a day's wage in that day. Twelve times the inflation rates of today. You can't even work a full day to feed anybody but yourself with the wheat that's afforded to you, and they'll be in balance, yet don't touch the oil or the wine. Luxuries. The rich will get richer, and the poor will get poorer. And people will turn on each other. It will be chaos. It, this is, by the way, is any, is any of this hard to imagine at this point? Can you imagine in John's day? He's like, I don't know what I'm seeing and writing, but I'm just going to put it down, you know? And here we are 2,000 years later, like, we see it. We see it. Verse 7. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. And so I looked and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. Because of this bad political leader, because of war and because of famine, now death and hell will take over and people will die by the beasts and pestilence. Not just big lions and tigers and bears, oh my, but small beasts Germs and germ warfare, Ebola and diseases, bubonic plagues. All of this has happened in smaller settings. And yet with the church gone, the salt and light gone, death and Hades are reigning. Now stop right there and focus with me. This world needs to be taken back. And it is Jesus Christ alone who can do it. You guys understand that? You who are ultra patriotic and 
and think that it's going to be handled politically alone. Okay? It's not going to be handled politically alone. We need a savior. You should vote and pray for your country and serve and support. But our hope is in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Our country and the world around us have sinned against the Lord, period. We have acted foolishly and rebelliously, all of us collectively. Last week, I listed the sins that would bring judgment upon our nation with abortion and sexual perversion and abuse and chaos and those are just the things that we're aware of and can statistically journal and consider. Can you imagine all that God sees in your heart and mind, the wickedness? And yet in the next seal, the fifth seal, I think from the Father's heart, it's the seal that really begins to shake up heaven. Evil in and of itself is sinful and will bring upon us judgment. It's just the way it is. Especially when a country and a culture begins to celebrate that which is evil. Isaiah says, woe to the nation that calls evil good and good evil. Woe to the nation that says, you know what, this is actually okay. We're just going to go ahead and celebrate. We're going to go ahead and propagate. What the Bible says clearly is sin. Are there any non-sinners here this morning, by the way? Let's make sure we all know what's going on here. Any non-sinners? Okay. Okay. Don't raise your hand. Because you know what I'm saying. We're all in this, man. Look what happens next, though. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, and holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. What? Now we're talking about murder and martyrdom. And I believe evil committed sinfully and sexually and all the things that happen are judgment worthy enough. But when God's kids begin to be slain and martyred, which they have been by the hundreds of thousands for the last 2,000 years, every single year, on average, 150,000 Christians are martyred per year, on average. Okay, that goes up and down depending on rains throughout the known world. 150,000 on average every year. In Genesis chapter 18, write it in your notes, right around verse 28. God's talking to Abraham. You know what God says? He said, I hear Sodom and Gomorrah. I can hear it. I can hear the cries of my people and their sin. And you know what he says? It's time to roll. Because the cries of my people, the damage and devastation, not just sin done around, but abuse and difficulty, not just these. By the way, these people here who are speaking in this fifth seal are tribulation saints. We'll talk about that more and more as we progress through Revelation. These are saints who missed the rapture. They weren't in it to win it. They were on the fence, skeptical, hadn't said the sinner's prayer, hadn't allowed Jesus to forgive them and become Lord of their hearts. They missed it. And yet, during the tribulation, they're going to remember what you said to them. They're going to have that book you gave them. What was that book called? Oh, yeah, the Bible. They're going to have the words of Jesus tucked in their hearts because you loved them. And they're going to get saved. And when they see the chaos and when they see the Antichrist, they'll know the difference and they'll say, what in the world? And they'll remember, and the Bible says that during the tribulation period, there'll be millions, billions of people getting saved. 
This, by the way, is really, 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 really good news. It is such good news. Because when you face rejection from your coworkers or sons or daughters or friends or moms or dads in Jesus, when they reject you and reject your faith, okay, just smile. Smile and give them a big old bear hug if they'll let you. Smile and love them some more. Smile. Because it's going to produce fruit in its due season. That's what the Bible says. You didn't see it right then. It didn't work. Hey, love them. God's got a plan for them. There will be men and women. And they will be saved. The cost of salvation during this time will be martyrdom. Because the Antichrist is going to blame the wars on the new believers. He's going to blame the chaos on the new believers. He's going to blame the church. This is what's, by the way, ramping up and happening in our culture right now. They're trying to find a bad guy. Who's the bad guy here? It's slowly developing to be the Christians. Isn't this crazy? It's slowly developing to be the Christians. We're the bad guys now. That's how the world sees it. Keep reading with me. Verse 12. On the heels of the fifth seal, which is God's kids being killed, now we see cosmic collapse shaking of the foundation of our world. And I, I just, I think it's because God is saying, really? I'm going to shake it up now. Because that's what I would do. But anyways, look at verse 12. <laughs> I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. John is seeing this and trying to, what's he seeing right now? Look at verse 14, freaks me out. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it's rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. John's describing 2,000 years ago what we could only imagine today as being earthquakes and volcanoes, atomic warfare. In those days, they didn't have tomahawk helicopters and Scud missiles and all the things that he would describe as scorpions and grasshoppers, fire coming out of their face. And as he sees this scroll being rolled up in the skies, dropping their stars, I don't know what he saw. I really don't know what he saw, but I can imagine as the entire world begins to collapse. In the judgment, as God is, listen, Shaking up the heathen. He's waking up the nation of Israel. He's making up a new heaven and a new earth. He's got to start over. That's his prerogative. That's what he's doing. Look at verse 15. This is where we'll end. We're going to come back and just circle through verses 9 through 17 in just a minute. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man. That's a lot of different categories of people. Can you imagine what John was seeing? He must, I don't know what he saw, but what he saw led him to describe it in that way. The great men, the, the mighty men, the commanders, the kings, every man, free man, slaves, everybody. Oh, oh. What he saw, it must have been nuts. What do they do? They hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. And from the great day of his wrath, for the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? As I was praying this morning at both services, my prayer was that this wouldn't just be information, but it would be transformation. All you got's today. Today's your only day. Hopefully there's tomorrow, but we don't know. But you got today, don't you? 
Wouldn't it be awesome if today you lived to the glory of God? During our 8.30 prayer meeting, Ray prayed for us today that everything we do, we would just have our minds on Jesus. Just your mind on Jesus. You got stuff to do today? Me too. But you can do it with your mind on Jesus, and you will be fruitful, and you will be pleasing to him. And in light of his soon coming judgment, his just judgment, did you know that God's judgment is just and right, but it's also full of love and mercy? Do you guys understand that, right? It's the two bookends. He will come with justice and righteousness. He has lived perfectly, but he will wrap that, bubble wrap it twice up, three times over in love and patience. This is how God looks at you today. If your life's out of control right now, you're not where you should be. You're glad you're not where you used to be. You're really glad you're not where you could be. Amen? 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 Any, any, anybody got some creative evil thoughts in your mind you don't act on? Okay? I got, th- I got things go through my mind every day. People say, follow your heart. Following your heart leads to jail. Okay? Just so you guys know. <laughs> don't follow your heart. Are you for real? Nobody follows their heart. I'm being honest. Like, you have... Anyways. I don't know what I was talking about. But the love of God given to us, that we would live this day trusting in his grace and mercy, in his kindness toward us, that we would understand only Jesus is the one who bled out and can rescue us while God is doing these things. Look at verse 9 quickly. It says that he opened the fifth seal, and under the altar, the souls of those who'd been slain for the word of God and their testimony, which they held. Stop right there, eyes up here. These people evidently are slain because they're different than the rest of the people on planet earth. They have a testimony and faith in the word of God, and it's known. Simple question. Is it known in your life today that you have faith in the word of God? Do do people know it? Do you have testimony? Let me just remind you who are here today. The Bible says if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer what? Starts with P and rhymes with persecution. Persecution. You're going to be persecuted one way, shape, or another. Let me ask a different question. How many of you guys totally feel like a fish out of water? You feel like a weirdo in this world. I feel like a weirdo everywhere I go. I just feel weird. Like I don't belong. I don't fit in. You know why? Because you don't fit in. And because some of you are weird. But because you don't fit in. <laughs> you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Settle into this, especially young people, because nobody likes to be not liked. As a matter of fact, we all like to be liked. We really do. If you're a Christian, full of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be liked. I'm just being honest. You're going to be different. When the coworkers are telling those jokes around the water cooler and you show up, and all of a sudden they feel weird, okay? Good. Good. When you find yourself exposed to something in this world and you see something or hear something, you just feel like it cringes or grates against your heart, good. That is the Holy Spirit inside of you. Let me ask you a question. Let's say it was illegal as of tomorrow to be a Christian. Upon arrest, convicted on evidence alone. Would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you and arrest you that you're a Christian? Or would you get away? Or, or would you disappear and hide in the crowds and they wouldn't be able to say, oh, I don't know. Your coworkers are asked, is that guy a Christian? Not that we're aware of. Nope. He's just normal. Hey, hey, is your neighbor a Christian? I don't think so. They don't drive like a Christian. <laughs> Simple question. Could you be identified as a Christian? 
I, I hope these guys were. They died because of their testimony and their faith in God. Now, now make sure nobody hears me and say, I'm going to go make sure I'm known as a Christian and you're going to get crazy. He didn't say that they got killed for being just annoying, okay? <laughs> don't, be that, don't, don't, don't just be annoying for the sake of being annoying. But when you with love like Christ and with truth like Christ believe in something and you don't bow down to everything, you have conviction and a backbone. This is, this is it's blowing my mind more and more and more as the lines are being drawn in the sand. And it's not the Christians drawing the lines. It's the world. The world's like, here's the line. Let's fight. I'm like, well, I don't want to fight anybody. I know what I believe in. Well, you got to believe what I believe. No, I don't. I don't. Why are you fighting with me? And all of a sudden, now we're in a fight that I never wanted to be in. And the world wants to know, pick a path. Pick a camp. I'm just, okay, okay, I already did. I'm standing here. And now I'm in trouble. I'm not attacking. I'm not hating. I love. And so should you. But it will cost you something. Verse 10. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood? Stop right there. Did you guys see this question they ask? I'm so thankful this question's here. In their suffering and death, they're free enough to ask the Lord, How long? This hurts. There's blood everywhere. It's not stopping. Notice what they say? Holy and true. Did you know you can ask the Lord what's going on and equally submit to his goodness in what's going on? You can do both. It's called suffering well. I was at a hospital room and I prayed for someone to suffer well one time. They got real mad at me. That's not what they wanted to hear. They didn't want to suffer well. They wanted to be healed immediately. I just didn't sense that's what was going to happen. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. How long, O oh Lord? Holy and true. Just asking, how long? Do you know what the Lord said to them? A little while longer. What? Lord. I've got some books in my office. Johnny Erickson Tata wrote them. It's called When God Weeps, Why the Suffering of the Saints is Important to God. I had five copies at the beginning of last service. I've now got three. If you need a copy, I'll give you one. If your suffering is so profound, so deep, how long, O oh Lord, until you judge? Notice I've got that circled and highlighted. Until you judge. Did you know that vengeance is the Lord's? If you've been hurt or offended or wounded... The Lord will take care of it. You do not have the wisdom or the patience or the love to take care of what's been done to you. You must let the Lord take care of it. He will. You must give it to the Lord in your suffering. God has asked us to forgive, and he has promised to deal with everything. you got to forgive. Forgiveness doesn't mean it's okay. Forgiveness doesn't mean it never happened. Forgiveness doesn't mean it's going to be the same even moving on. Forgiveness may mean a lot of things are different. But you must forgive for your own sake. The Lord will judge. Verse 11. This is amazing. The question has been posed. How long, God? And a white robe was given to each of them. Wow. Covering, sustenance, protection, identity. In your suffering. Here's a white robe, guys. I see you, I'm gonna cover you, I'll be with you. 
And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. It literally says there's more to be killed and God knows it. Guys, the sovereignty of the Lord is being exposed here. Do you trust your Lord enough to meter out judgment, to exact payment, redemption? I hope so. I hope this group listening right now understands the goodness of God in the brokenness of this world. And you are not shaken from that foundation when someone tries to push you off of what you believe and challenge your beliefs. Our God is sovereign and he is patient and he is good and he is thorough and he is kind and he will have his way. He will have his glory. A little while longer, guys. There's more to be killed first. What? There's more to be good, more to be killed first. Verse 12. And I looked when he opened the sixth seal. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Wow. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell like a fig drops. It's late figs and when it's shaken by a mighty wind. And the sky receded up like a scroll when it's rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. What is John seeing here? I don't know, but I want you to piece it together for context and application. As the children of God are being abused, and as the cry is coming up, like in Sodom, and the pain reaches his ears, what does God do? Shakes it up a little bit. God knows, he sees, and he's not amused. Okay? Lest you wonder if God knows, he does, and he's got a plan, and he will shake this planet to the core. Earthquakes, cosmic happenings. The earth's crazy. Have you guys ever thought about the earth? God made the earth, okay? It's amazing. It's a, it's a live planet. It's alive, okay? It's got magma flowing through it, and different regions and waters and life cycles and it's ebbing and flowing and producing rocks and dirt and life and plants. It's moving. All the other planets in the world, dead. Okay, every single one. In case you're wondering, just, like, just so you know, they're all dead. Earth is alive. Where God's people are. And God says, yeah, I'm going to remake it. I'm going to shake it up a bit. What does John see? We don't know here. In those days, when John saw this and he described for us what he saw, could he be describing Atomic warfare, mushroom clouds pluming up. Could he be describing Hiroshima and the wars? We don't know exactly what he saw, but we do know that scientists nowadays have determined that with around 45 atomic bombs going off at one time on planet Earth is enough force to shake the Earth off of its axis and change everything about its patterns. Can you imagine, zoom, just zoom out and imagine planet Earth just getting shook and everything and the stars and everything around us that we know has been so stable is shook. I don't know. I did just a little bit of research on this because we've been tracking this stuff for years. Did you know that there was a, a volcano that erupted years ago? It was in the late 1800s and it's called Krakatoa. Which by the way, if you have a, a dog that has puppies, I think a good name would be Krakatoa, you know. <laughs> Krakatoa, or maybe that's what happens when you drop something on your foot. It's a Krakatoa. Anyway, Krakatoa. That was horrible. I just came to me. It's your fault. Krakatoa. Here's the deal, though. Krakatoa, I'll just read a little bit for you. It's located along an area in the Pacific Basin where two tectonic plates meet, 
And these two plates in the Indo-Australian-Eurasian plate line, they're constantly colliding, and it's called the Ring of Fire. There's all kinds of uh, activity going on, even to this day. And in 1883, this sucker exploded. Boom! So loud was the explosion. It was the loudest sound recorded in the history of man. You could hear this sound. 3,000 miles away. Okay, Florida is 3,111 miles from Newport. And if we heard it rumble right now, did you hear that? Is that Toledo, GP Mill? Did it just explode? No, that was, that was far. That was Philomath. No, no, that was Corvallis. No, that was Lebanon. No, that was Sweet Home. No, that was Ben. No, that was Prineville. No, that was Ontario. No, that was whatever's after Ontario. Idaho. That was, you know, keep going. And just keep going. Can you imagine? Guys, just put your, just think there. When it exploded, it rocketed hot ash 50 miles into the sky. Can you imagine the trajectory and propulsion necessary to send ash 50 miles into the sky? In order to get into space, it's 61 miles, okay? 61 miles, and you leave our atmosphere, and you begin to float. You've gone too far. You blew it. You made a big mistake. 50 miles! It generated a tsunami 140 feet high, 14 stories, killed 35,000 people. That's just one, just one, one volcano. The earth had too much to eat, couldn't handle it, you know, went to the wrong restaurant, whatever you want to just think about it. What about Mount St. Helens? That happened in the, the 80s here. Mount St. Helens erupted, 12 miles high did it send ash, covering seven states. Seven states got dusted with ash from Mount St. Helens. You guys probably have some ash. You got everyone that was old enough then was gathering some and did you know that in Yakima, in Ritzville, Washington, when the ash began to settle, all the automatic lights came on and it became dark there and the, the moon turned blood red through just a volcanic eruption? You guys, there's, there's more stuff. Chernobyl, reactors, nuclear fallout, everything's shaking, the core being exposed. Look at the response, though, and we're done with these two verses. 16 and 17. Let's go 15. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men. Wow. Every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. Stop right there, eyes up here. John uses a lot of descriptive nouns and verbs to describe these people. High guys and low guys. Everybody's there. And he says, you know what? There was no classes anymore. There was, was no more privilege anymore. Everybody's equal. And by the way, did you know that's how it is right now with God? We're all equal. Every single person. Know this about your brother and sister. Everyone you see. High guys and low guys, they're all the same. And these men and these women, all they could do was hide themselves. Verse 16 says it this way. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide from us the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. Stop right there, eyes up here. These guys, it's a mystery to me. There are two types of people. Those that run from God and those that run to God, period. And I can't believe it. There's a whole group of people. We saw two different groups. One group of people is standing tall, getting killed for the faith, getting robed up and staying a little bit longer. Okay, okay, we'll suffer well. Another group is trying to kill themselves and run from God. They'll have nothing to do with this man. What? It's a mystery. 
It's a mystery that then there'll be those who reject God. You know what's even more of a mystery to me? That there's people now that reject God. I just don't know what's, go- I don't know what's going on. Why would you reject God? What's going on? And if you're here today and you've rejected God, I'm going to say something, and it's going to offend you if you've rejected God. But it's as foolish as these guys. You're running? You hear what they said? Run! Hide! For it's the wrath of the Lamb. If you woke me up tomorrow at 2 a.m., Luke, Luke, we got to run. A bunch of wild animals have escaped into our community. What kind of animals? Lambs. I'll be like, what? What? Grab my camera. Go take some selfies with those lambs, right? This is a lamb. Lambs aren't scary. And it's the lamb. It's the wrath of the lamb. Just, just, just trip out, man. Wrap your mind. What's going on here? They see the lamb coming, and he's redeeming. People will and can be saved. Even today, they can be saved. How? Through the blood of the lamb. It's through the blood of the lamb. That's what the whole message is about. That's what I was praying for, for our services today, that we would leave here more founded, more firm, more stable in our, in our rest in the Lord, in our purpose. The question is posed, and I'm going to end with this thought. Verse 17, the great day of his wrath has come. Who is able to stand? That's the question. These guys don't want to stand. They're looking for death. They're looking to hide. This is crazy. Did you know that if you're a Christian here today, you actually can stand in the presence of the Lord? Because you've kneeled, you now can stand. Because you put your faith in Jesus. I'll read one verse. Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. If you're a Christian here today, what? You are so valuable to this country, to this community, to this world, because you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. God has asked you here. You're still here. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you guys are ready to go home? Like, I'm ready. And God says, oh, no, you're preserving things. I got you there on purpose. I, I'm using you. You are planting seeds. You are bringing the salt. Salt makes people thirsty. Salt heals things. It's a panacea. Salt does things. It preserves. God's asked us to do that. And so I'm going to have Pastor Ryan come up, and he's going to lead us in a closing song. We're going to take communion now. And we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. That is the lamb that was slain, his broken body and his spilled blood. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to anoint us to be the church of God. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we prepare to pray and to commune together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are so faithful, so kind, so patient. Lord, truly, in all honesty, what you've asked us to do is to trust you, not to figure everything out not to even grab more than we can carry and to try and help out, but to trust you, to show up every day, to be the church, to be salt, to be light. And maybe if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you say, you know what? I just want to be salt here. I want to be more light. I want to be available. I want to do whatever he wants. I want to give my life to Jesus. See, again, I want to rededicate my life. I haven't, been, I haven't been that focused. Instead of being transformed, I've just been maybe concerned about being informed and and you're like me, you don't want to waste your life. So if you're a Christian here right now, would you just, if you want to 
recommit your life to Jesus, would you, I'm not looking, this is between you and him, would you raise up your hand right now? Just raise up, yeah, yeah, every day. Raise up your hand right now and say, yeah, Jesus, I want to rededicate my life to you. I just, I just raise up your hand just to worship the Lord. I just worship you, Lord. I worship you. Just worship him. He is your king. He is your savior. He died for you. He lived a life you could never live. He paid for the sins that you have committed. Raise up your hand and worship to him. Lord, we love you. We worship you. You can put your hands down. And before we take communion, if you're here and you want to be a believer, have Jesus forgive your sins and be born again. If you're here this morning, you want to become saved. Would you right now, by faith in Jesus, raise up your hand to him in Jesus' name? Amen. I see one. Anybody join this one? I see two. Three. Anybody? Yes. Yes. In Jesus' name. Four. People raising their hands in the back. In Jesus' name. Anybody join these? I see four or five people so far. In Jesus' name. Raise up your hands. Say, yes, Lord. I choose you to pay for my sins, to forgive me of my offenses, to take me to heaven when I die. To give me a new spirit even right now. If you need that new spirit, Christian, brand new believer, raise up your hand. You need a new spirit, a new mind, new desires. You want the Lord to move in and take over your life. Lord, you see the hands. Do it in Jesus' name, we pray, Lord. Do it for your glory. Do it for others' good. Do it for their joy. You can put your hands down. And as we take communion now, this is for believers. Would you examine your heart before you take communion today? Would you just let the Lord search? He loves you. Would you repent of your sin? Just the stuff that's, it's no good. It's just no good. It's not going to get you what you want. It it never has. It never will. It's a fool's errand. Repent of your sin before you take communion today. That, That thought process or what you've been doing or that person even you need to repent of. Whatever it is, just repent and let the Lord cleanse you. Father, we do this now, examining ourselves, proclaiming your death until you return. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.